Hey, Pastor, what if I told you that you could get your team to do everything that you wanted to them to be creative, be innovative, uh, get stuff done, not miss any deadlines, and at the same time, not have to really check in on them all the time, not have to micromanage them, have to knock on the door. Hey, how are you coming on that? What if I told you you could do both of those at the same time just by managing this one tension that you have with your staff? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today how you can do that, the easy steps to make it a reality, and how it's going to make your life a whole lot easier. So let's get started. So the big question is this, how do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Ministry Hackers Podcast. I hope you're doing wonderfully wherever you are and whatever it is you're doing today. The goal of our podcast here is to help you, you as a pastor, as a ministry leader, live your dream life. Live a life where you get to spend time with your family, hang out with your friends, travel, do hobbies, whatever it is you enjoy doing, while at the same time pastoring a growing ministry. And that's really what we all dreamed about in that moment or that season in our lives where God called us into ministry. And we want to make that a reality for you. And so thank you so much for being here, for joining in. I'm going to invite back again, the wonderful pastor, Matt Wozvinski. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. You called me wonderful. So I'm going to yeah. like ride that successful wave for the next day or two. But Yeah, yeah I have a whole like, list of adjectives like, for you. So I know, you know exactly. some, some you'll be excited about, some you might not be so excited about. <laughs> <laughs> it's just luck of the draw. Yeah, like, I just roll the dice before wonderful? we start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, feeling good. It is like downpouring. So if suddenly you like, all of a sudden my screen goes black, it's probably because like a tornado has hit my office and... We'll just have to do another podcast another day. Yeah. Is that why you're uh, you're wearing the hoodie in the middle of yes. summer? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like my shirt got wet. It's freezing because the AC's on because it's still like 90 degrees outside. But like I got downpoured on when I came in. So it's just a mess. But yeah, it's all good. Well, falls around the corner, man. I'm excited. So ready. So ready. I'm over <laughs> summer. Summer can kick rocks. Yep. And football right around the corner. Yes. Can't oh, wait. my gosh. The Lions, Lions are going to be good. Not good. They're going to be okay. They're going to be not bad. They're going to be not bad. That's good. We'll, we'll root for mm -hmm. them sometimes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. All right. So today we are talking about how to build this team that gets everything done, everything you want them to do, that gets, you know, knocks it out of the park all the time, but at the same time doesn't take up all of your time. So, you know, Matt, you have teams of people that you manage, teams you oversee, um, you know, one of the things that I think that we can both attest to is that when you manage people, it just takes a lot of time. There's a lot of time that, you know, you spend checking in on them, make, checking on their work, making sure they're doing everything that, 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 you know, they need to get done, making sure nothing's falling through the cracks. And, and I think that that can sometimes be exhausting. And even for some of us who are maybe a little more introverted, we don't really like managing people for that reason. Have you, where do you fall on that? Like, do you like managing people it's, or no? <laughs> it's it's an adjustment. It's something I've definitely gotten better at as I progressed in ministry. Um, my wife and I quickly realized this when we were in student ministry, that we could run a really successful youth group of about 30 students really well. Just the um, 
yep, just us, like, you know, us in a prayer, like we could do that and we could do it really well. Once you got bigger than that, you need a team. And uh, even smaller than that, you need a team to save your life a little bit <laughs> and save your right. sanity. And so the more that I realize that the more that I can give away, the more effective the overall ministry becomes, right. the better. Now, that's not something that comes natural to me. My natural inclination is that I don't want to inconvenience others. Uh, I know that other people have stuff on their plates and jobs, especially when you're dealing with volunteers. Right. Um, you know, you're the one getting paid. They're just volunteering. So you don't really want to, like, put too much on their plate. So you'll just do it yourself. That is my natural bend, and that's where I kind of lean towards. And so it's been a progress and something I still have to work on, uh, kind of leaning away from that and saying, no, I need to empower people that oftentimes uh, we call it stealing someone's serve, uh, mm -hmm. that someone has come here and they've communicated to you that they want to help, that they want to be a part of the solution, that they want to lead. Right. And by you, you know, not letting them do that, you're actually making it worse, not only for the overall productivity, but for that individual mm -hmm. that, you know, when we were a mobile church, having people show up at 630 in the morning and then have nothing to do because I already did it. Right. That's an insult <laughs> to them. And that makes yeah. them uncomfortable. Like, no, yeah. you're not going to have people last very long. Yeah, it's deflating. And so exactly. And so that's something I have to work on and I am still working on. But I found that the more that I do it, the better my team runs and the more open and free I feel to do other stuff that only I can do. Right. Well, and, you know, we we talk about here on the podcast all the time, this idea of like living this dream life in ministry and the, the key, like the number one thing to making that a reality is having a highly effective team, a team that, you know, gets stuff done that, you know, you don't have to micromanage, you don't have to oversee. But then you also run into this problem like, okay, so I have a team and I don't want to micromanage them. I don't want to, you know, constantly be checking in and looking over their shoulder, making sure they're doing everything they need to. But at the same time, I need to make sure that things are getting done. I need to make sure that, uh, you know, that the team is performing. If they're highly effective, you know, the assumption is they're getting stuff done, but how do I know that? And so that's really what we want to talk about today because Andy Stanley, he says, you know, there's always going to be problems to, to solve. But sometimes there's problems you can't solve and you have to just deal with the tension and manage it. And I think this is one of those situations because in order to have a highly effective team and you and I, we've both been on great teams. We've watched high caliber leaders, high caliber staff members. We've watched that. And one of the things that is very clear with those types of leaders is they want a lot of freedom. They want to be able to you know, make a lot of their own decisions. They want to you know, chart their own path. They don't want to be micromanaged. They don't want somebody looking over their shoulder. Um, but at the same time, as leaders, we know that there has to be accountability along the way that, you know, they can't just have a free for all and just go do their thing or you end up with, you know, some rogue, you know, member of your staff, you know, doing all kinds of crazy things. And then that's where church splits come from. And so, so what we want to talk about today is really how do you manage that tension, the tension of you know, having, um, you know, having the freedom, giving your staff members or your team members freedom, but at the same time, holding them accountable, um, with clear boundaries and checkpoints and consequences. Um, you know, how do we, how do we manage that tension? So do you, Matt, do you feel like that when you're dealing with your teams, do you feel this tension between giving them freedom, but then also holding them accountable? Absolutely. Because a lot of my team, uh, 
I probably have somewhere in the ballpark of 60 to 70 team members and almost all of them are volunteer. So it's this real tension of one, volunteer time. So you don't want to offload too much on them. And then two, the idea that you don't want to just give them free reign and then expect them just to figure it out. A lot of them are talented and really good at what they do, maybe in their nine to five job, but this might not be their career choice. Mm -hmm. And so they feel like, for example, prayer team, like they might be passionate about prayer, but passionate about prayer one-on-one -on -one versus corporately versus in a small group setting, all these sort of things. And I can't just give them the reins and say, run prayer and just expect them to know what right. to do with it. But at the same time, I don't want to be micromanaging. And every time that they pray over a group of people, I follow up and be like, that was great. But next time, maybe say amen instead of amen. Just, you know, it's just a little thing. Like you don't want to be micromanaging <laughs> right. either because then they're going to almost be frozen by this paralysis of like, okay, well, I don't, now I feel like I don't know what I'm doing at all. Mm. And what if I'm messing it up? Or what if I've dropped the ball? Right. And so you don't want people freezing up because they feel like they're unprepared or under equipped. And well, so, yeah, you, it's just you stifle that creativity that they have. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the other thing too, is when you're dealing with a bunch of different ministry areas, you're not in the weeds as much as they are. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the examples is parking team. Um, I just had a really great conversation. We have uh, signs that our parking team holds like, you know, glad that you're here and all that sort of stuff. Right. And, you know, we have three or four different signs. They grab a sign, they go out to the parking lot and help direct traffic and all that. And I thought everything was going well. And then recently, uh, my parking team lead said, I would love uh, some new signs. He said, one of our signs says there's a smile under this mask because we made those during COVID. Oh, yeah. And he's like, and no one's really wearing masks anymore. And so that sign just sits there. And he's like, so, and when people are coming in and they see the same phrase, like, week after week after week, it kind of loses its like pizzazz or its special like ability to kind of make someone smile or get someone's attention. And for me, I'm not in the weeds. I'm not holding the sign every week. Right. And so I don't want to stifle that and say, here's the sign. This is where you stand. Go do your thing. Right. When he's the one who's kind of doing that. And so he's going to pick up on those things. And so I said, okay, hey, this week, could you maybe look at some other churches on Facebook that have pictures of their parking team or just think about it creatively when you have a creative space? And maybe give me three to four phrases that you think might be fun or cool. Right. And then I will do the administrative side of things of talking to our media department, getting the signs printed on like the right kind of like paper and all that sort of stuff. But like letting him kind of have that creative license now, once again, and then, but there's that tension. If he kind of says like <laughs> turn or burn, like, and he thinks that's funny, but that's not really the vibe we're going for when people are driving down the street. It's not really the message uh, we're wanting to send. Exactly. So, like, once again, there's that tension. I want him to be creative. He's right. the one who's leading the team. He's the one who has to hold the sign. But at the same time, I want to be able to. So, yeah, there is just that constant, like you said, it's not something where, okay, it's solved, but it's a tension that right. we have to manage and work through, but it's the best way to do it. Right. Well, and I think if you go too far, Either way. So you go too far on the freedom side. Well, again, you just have, you don't have a team. You have a bunch of individuals doing their thing and you're just trying to like herd cats to just make any semblance of anything because you have all these little kingdoms going on within your team. But at the same time, if you have, you know, high accountability, almost to the point where you're dictating the details and you're overseeing every step and you're making every major decision, or at least 
every decision has to be run through you uh, before it can be made. Well, then you just take away all the greatness of your team members because they're not able to do anything without you being involved. And so, you know, you don't want either extreme. And so, yeah, so you, you, you're having to manage this tension. And so, you know, so what, what we want to do today is I'm going to give you four uh, keys to to, to managing this tension, four keys to offering freedom and accountability. So you can create this productive culture, this, you know, culture of, of team members who are knocking it out of the park, getting stuff done, you know, not lagging, not missing deadlines, but really getting a lot done so that you can all enjoy time at home and enjoy time doing the things you love to do outside of ministry. And so the first thing that you want to do is that you want to establish clear goals you want to make sure that your team, whether they're operating as a group or whether they're operating as individuals, making sure that your team members, they understand what are the goals of what we're trying to do. So like, for instance, you were just talking about your parking lot team. What are the goals that I want the parking lot team to accomplish every Sunday? What do I want them to accomplish over the course of a month or over the course of the year? What are the goals? Because, you know, this fits into the idea of, you know, as the lead, whether you're a lead pastor, whether you're leading your you know, staff pastor, leading a team the the vision of that team comes from you. And so you, providing these clear goals, making sure everybody's on the same page with here is the end point we want to get to. Then that may makes it clear that, Hey, we're all going here, but how we get there, that's, that's your realm. You make those decisions, you figure out how we get there, but making sure that everybody's on the same page with the goals in mind that we're all going the same direction. We're all going to the same place. Even if we take a little bit different routes to get there. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that a real good practical example of that is our safety team. Like we name our team, our safety team or our security team, because even that little bit of verbiage like makes a difference. Yeah. Um, the phrase that we like to use is we want everyone to feel safe and welcome while they worship here. And that is the end goal. And that helps really, because if it's, we want people to feel safe. Well, then I might have my safety team lead putting up like metal detectors in the entrances. Like, know what I mean? Because at the end goal (laughs) is that everyone here is safe. Then he might be patting people down as they enter the door. He might be stopping every single person that has a bag. They're safe. All these sort of things because they're safe. 100% guaranteed. Like nothing is going to go down. But they won't feel welcome here. They'll feel like if they feel like all of our safety people are TSA agents who are trying to like (laughs) catch them like, you know, sneaking in like, you know, 12 ounces of water into the nursery or something like then they're not going to feel welcome. Right. And so even in the way that you carry yourself, in the way that you communicate with people, you want people to feel safe, but you also want them to feel welcome. And so once again, how you do that, like, I'm not going to get into the weeds of like, okay, where you have people stationed and like how you guys are communicating, like that is your, like our safety team lead is a former uh police officer like he knows more of that stuff than i ever will right when it comes to like less lethal versus like a red team who can (laughs) conceal carry like you know like he knows all of that sort of stuff but so i'm not gonna like assume that i know that but i want people to feel safe but i also want people to feel welcome and so however if there's an incident in the auditorium or if there's something going on in the parking lot Are we doing both of those things equally? And then how you accomplish that is up to the team lead. But once, once again, you're establishing a clear goal and saying that this is what we want to accomplish. So then if somebody is like, they got a bag and then they tackle them in the lobby, like, okay, 
yeah, that might have been the safe thing to do. But now does that person feel welcome? Did the people right. who saw right. you like, you know, tackle someone to the floor, do they feel welcome? Like all right. that sort of stuff. And so, so yeah, so you want to establish those clear goals and how you get to those goals. There's that wiggle room. But you want to make sure that they know that the end goal is not just that nothing bad ever happens, that there's never a disturbance whatsoever, Right. but that you're willing to, okay, hey, someone has a backpack, but then you also notice they have a kid. Oh, that's maybe their diaper bag. Keep an eye on it. But like, you know what I mean? Like right. all that sort of stuff. But you're not right. going to stop and bother people just for that one hindrance, I guess. Right. Well, and I think that segues really well into number two. Number two is provide protective boundaries. Um, and, and this is important to understand. So I always think about, there was an experiment done years ago on children at playgrounds. And the experiment was, it was trying to measure how the children would respond to boundaries. And so what they did was, is they, you know, they had this really nice playground, nice fenced in playground, um, and let the kids just say, Hey, just run out there and go play. And so for, you know, an hour, the kids would go out, they would play, you know, they would go explore the whole playground. They would go to the edges, go to the fence, look over the fence, you know, look at the neighbors, you know, yards around them, whatever. They enjoyed the entire playground. And then what they did was, is they removed the fence and then a few days later said, okay, go out and play in the playground without the fence. And the kids all ran out in the playground and they stayed huddled close to the middle because they didn't know where the boundaries were and they felt safer close in. And I always think about this when we have our staff members, we say, Hey, just, you know, go save people for Jesus or go serve people or, you know, go do whatever. And some of them will say, great, no boundaries. I'm just going to run until somebody tells me to stop. But the majority of them will say, I don't know what I can do, what I can't do. I don't know where my boundaries are. And so I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to do the things that I know that my leader wants. I'm going to, you know, not really push the envelope. I'm not really going to be creative. I'm not really going to be innovative. I'm just going to do what I know is expected and safe. And none of us want to have that. But at the same time, none of us want these boundaries of control that are like, hey, you can't do this and you can't do that. And you have to, you know, protective boundaries. Protective is the optimal word here. We want to create boundaries that give people the freedom to be creative and innovative, but at the same time that protect them from any catastrophic failures. You know, we don't want, you know, we don't want our youth pastor, you know, doing something that's going to compromise his integrity with a student to where you're going to have to fire him because of a situation he gets himself into. So we, we create boundaries for them. You know, we create boundaries for our staff members to make sure that they can be creative and be innovative and have freedoms but also be safe as members of our staff. Have you seen this play out at all over your years of ministry, Matt? Yeah, for sure. I think that I love that example of the playground because yeah, I think that often we talk about the first one, the whole like, Hey, like let them like be more creative. But then at the same time, I think that, and this might not be the case, but maybe in ministry, like we naturally might have that gifting of, Hey, how are we going to do this a little bit differently? Mm -hmm. But I found a lot of people like they are used to the structure that kind of comes with maybe more of a corporate mindset. 
right. of they don't want to overstep boundaries. Right. You know, you'll have those right. occasional eccentric people that are like, let's go. And <laughs> you have to kind of rein them in. Right. But for the most part, like if you have someone where like their regular job is a nine to five job and they're serving on the weekends or they're a part of your leadership team or something like that, they're going to want to kind of naturally run things by you because they don't want to overstep where they, especially in a spiritual sense. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people really do have that whole, well, you're the pastor and I don't want to kind of go over your head or step out of line. And so you almost have to give them a little bit of that wiggle room and say, hey, here are kind of those guardrails. But like, I want to empower you that this is your team. Right. Like I always use the phrase, like, this is your baby. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, Hey, here are the parameters, but if you find like this isn't working or that isn't working, or you're talking to your team and that's, it'd be more efficient for you to do this. Like I said, you're in the weeds a little bit more than I am. Mm -hmm. And so that might be as simple as, Hey, if this giving them permission to say like, Hey, if this isn't working, come to me, let me know. Right. And then go ahead and do it. Cause right. they might even need that little bit of permission mm -hmm. to where you're not coming up with the solution or you're not fixing the problem. But, uh, for example, we have something called backstage prayer. Uh, we have two prayer teams. We have encounter prayer, which is your altar call kind of ministry, praying directly one-on-one -on -one with people at the end of service. And then we have backstage prayer where people are kind of walking throughout the building, praying over ministries, uh, during the service. And those are two different levels of prayer. And so backstage prayer is something we recently started. And I said, okay, I'm just asking for a 15 minute com uh, commitment. It can be during worship. It can be during the message. You can sit and pray over like printed out prayer needs. You can go to, a, you can walk outside if it's nice and pray over the service. Like it's right. very flexible. And so, but then I also said, but let me know. I told my prayer team leader, let me know if this isn't working. That might be too much freedom. And someone's like, I'm almost overwhelmed with like, I don't know what <laughs> I'm doing because you're not, because you're not giving me any parameters whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And so we might have to reevaluate in a couple of months and say, Hey, our team members are liking backstage prayer, but it would be really helpful if they maybe had these three things that they could do instead of just kind of do whatever you want. Right. Um, and so they might just need that little bit of permission to come back and say, this is going well, this is not going well. And kind of just having that open dialogue a little bit of what those parameters are and if they're hitting them. So, right. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Okay. So number three is to build an agile structure. Now I am a huge advocate and Matt, you know, this, I'm a huge advocate of processes and procedures and systems because I believe that all of those create the space that we can do ministry at a high level. However, I also know that it's easy for those things to become very rigid and to become controlling in how we manage and, and lead our staff. And so in order to have this highly effective team and in order to create a productive culture and in order to manage this tension of freedom and accountability, you have to have structure, obviously, but you have to have structure that is flexible. That's a little bit pliable. Because again, we're having this conversation about being innovative and creative. Well, you can't really do that if the processes and procedures and the policies don't allow you to get outside of that a little bit and push the boundaries. Because if we all stayed within the boundaries all the time, well, then nothing new would ever happen. And so you have to have agile structures. And, and, and sometimes that's just you. Maybe that's just you as the lead saying, you know what, I'm okay with you pushing that boundary a little bit. I'm okay with you, you know, maybe moving a little bit outside the box here, you know, giving them the freedom. And, and I think the more your staff is with you 
And the more you do this side by side and you allow them the freedom and you know, their trust of you and your trust of them, I think they know. I mean, I know I've been on staff. I'm sure Matt, you've been there uh, at different times where, you know, I can push this far and I can't push any further. And if I do, then I'm going to probably, you know, get myself in trouble, but I can push the boundary just a little bit further, which I think is what you want. You want your team to know I can push it a little bit and see what happens. And I'm not really going to get out of bounds. And so, uh, yeah. So I'm again, Matt, I'm sure you've been there before where you're pushing yeah. the boundary a little bit. Yeah, exactly. You got to like know where the line is and then just be able to step like your toe over the line in like not in an unethical or bad way or, or rebellious like way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're not like just for the sake of doing it. But I think that allowing that little bit of wiggle room also will help uh, limit the big swings as yeah. well. Because yeah. if people feel like, okay, this is more of a like general boundary than a, and being clear on what is a general boundary and what is a hard and fast rule. Because, you know, there are some things where it's like, do not do like, you know what I mean? Like right. if I give you the church credit card and I say, Hey, we're having like an event and I know the budget's a hundred dollars and you're like, well, I've flexed it a little bit and now it's a thousand dollars. It's like, no, 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 no. Like that's going right. to get declined. Like, you know what I mean? There are some hard rules, but then if I just, there's a difference between saying, Hey, we're going to do a cookout. The budget's a hundred dollars. Here's the card, go and do that. And then the person says, well, it's going to be in the e like it's going to be in the evening so instead of doing a cookout what if we did like s'mores okay like we're accomplishing like once again that goes back to the first thing what was the goal was the goal fellowship was the goal right. socialization cool i think s'mores can accomplish that i think that's a fun creative thing or was it like no we have people who are going to be hungry we promoted that it's going to be dinner right and so we need to stick to like you know what i mean so yeah. once again establishing those clear goals but then there are certain times where it's like, okay, the end goal was to be social. The end goal was to build community. And I think that hot dogs and s'mores, those accomplish the same goal. They're within the same budget. Let's try it and see how it goes. Like, mm -hmm. And so you're giving them that flexibility to be creative. They're not going way out of line. Right. And it gives them the ability where they're now passionate about it because they're like, oh, I feel like I had a say in this. I feel like this is something that I saw that was really cool and maybe we could give it a try. Right. And, you know, sometimes it'll fall on its face and everyone hates it. And then you can kind of follow up and have that conversation later. Or it might be really great. And it's like, wow, we always did pizza for students. <laughs> well, what if we did like a nacho bar instead? Like, know right. what I mean? Like you can kind of just be a little bit more flexible and creative. And then that gets those juices going where you're not going way out at, like to the like fringes and getting into dangerous territory. Right. But you're giving them that little bit of flexibility. Right. Exactly. Well, and I think too, and I'm sure this isn't as much the case for you because you're so much younger than I am, but I'm mm -hmm. reaching a point, you know, in my ministry where I am older. And so, you know, most likely if I'm hiring new staff members, they're young, they're going to be younger staff members and they're going to be excited to try new things. They're going to be excited to get outside of the box and, you know, all of that. And if I don't have the agility in my processes and procedures to allow that, well, then I'm going to miss mm -hmm. out. I'm going to miss out on what they bring to the table. I'm going to miss out on all that energy and all that creativity. I'm going to miss out, which means that if I'm missing out on letting them do that, it means the ministry is missing out and the people that we're serving are missing out on enjoying it. And so mm -hmm. making sure that policies and procedures and the structure and all that place is in place to you know protect us. But at the same time, it can't be, you know, it's kind of the, you know, the whole idea, like the laws for the people, not, you know, the other way around, like 
Mm -hmm. The law was supposed to bring people closer to God instead of like stifle them into this legalistic way of living. Well, it's the same way. Like if we're micromanaging and oversee and pointing to the policy as, well, that's how we do it. Well, at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, you're going to have, you know, staff members and team members that are just, you know, they're just following the lines and they're not really going outside of that. And, you know, it becomes very stagnant, very stale, you know, and quite honestly, your high caliber leaders and the people that you really needed to have a highly effective team, they're going to go, they're going to go somewhere else Mm -hmm. and join another team, go to another church, whatever, because they want high, high end leaders and highly effective, you know, uh, team members, they want freedom because they're excited about what God's called them to do. They're excited about the opportunity to serve and to explore and to try out their own, you know, ideas. And we have to be able to make sure that they have that freedom to do. So, okay. The fourth thing, the fourth one is to schedule checkpoints, schedule checkpoints in advance. And the reason that we need this is because again, we're, we're providing accountability. So there have to be checkpoints. Again, we can't have team members just running rogue and doing their things and and never checking in until the end, you know, once the event is happening and we're like, what was this? Like, this is not what we had talked about at all. Like you need (laughs) checkpoints along the way to make sure that we're all on the same page. At the same time, your checkpoints can't be, you know, randomly knocking on their office door saying, Hey, why don't you tell me where you are with that? Let's kind of break this down. And, And they're like, well, I'm not ready for this conversation at all. Mm-hmm. You know, so scheduling these checkpoints, it allows them to know, hey, I have accountability coming, so I need to be prepared for those moments. But at the same time, it keeps us kind of in check of saying, I know that I'm curious about this. I know that I, especially if we have a history of being micromanaging or at all controlling, it creates this boundary for us to say, hey, I need to wait until that checkpoint that we've already established happens rather than jumping in and getting in the details. And quite honestly, usually we mess things up in the process because we Mm -hmm. just want to have our hands in it. And so scheduling these checkpoints, keep that from happening and keep them, you know, on task, focused on being creative, but also knowing, Hey, accountability is coming. So I need to be able to show what I've done so far. Yeah. One thing we do, and I think we've talked about before at 242 is we have monthly check-ins with our direct reports. Mm -hmm. Um, And, That for me has been a lifesaver. I am a natural worrier. I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with stress. So when a lead pastor would come to me and text me and say, hey, uh, you know, it's Saturday. And it's like, hey, let's meet on Monday. We'll run, wanna run some things by you. I'm like, this is the worst. Like yeah. it might literally be like, hey, do you like this blue color or this green color for the next logo? Like, right. like it might be something as minor as that, but like I'm going to think like, what happened? What is going on? And it's just going to like throw me off for the next two days. Right. And so it, so to have those bills in things, one, so that accountability can be put on me and right. said like, hey, last month we talked about X, Y, and Z. How was that going? Is there anything I can help with? All right. that sort of stuff. And then two, it also gives me a natural check-in point where then I know, honestly, I can like brag a little bit on certain things and the progress I am showing, because I think that's also a tension that your team might feel is, you know, most people don't like bragging on themselves because it feels like this self-proclamation of how great your team is or how awesome you're doing. (laughs) But if you have those natural check-ins with your team, then they can say, hey, great news. Like I had three conversations with people who are interested in joining the team. Mm -hmm. Like we have, like we've gone from this to that. 
And it gives them an opportunity almost to say even positive things, not even negative things, like these are the things that are going wrong, but to give them the opportunity to, without coming across as braggadocious. And a thing that I would often fall for is almost like a defensive compliment of myself. Yeah. So when you're in those tough conversations, like, hey, why isn't this done? Where are we on this? All that sort of stuff. Then I just start rattling off, well, I did this and this and that. Like, you know what I mean? And then it's almost this. Yeah. Exactly, justifying and being defensive of why things maybe aren't going as well. And so I think if you have those regular scheduled check-ins with your team, it also gives them the opportunity to say, hey, here are some things where I'm knocking out of the park. Here are some things where my team is going really well. Here are some really great growth areas. Being able to celebrate those wins and those check-ins too, I think gives them that opportunity. So then they're not always feeling like they have to unload those when things are going down and they have to justify their time or justify why things maybe aren't going as well. Um, so having those regular scheduled check-ins where they're like, okay, I maybe it's not super time sensitive, but I really could use some help on this, or I'm really knocking it out of the park with this. I'm glad that in a week and a half, that's when we have this built-in check-in where it's just me and you, and we can check in and, hey, how's that big event that's coming in two months? How's it going? Really well, really poorly. How can I help? How can I kind of take a step back? All those sort of things. Right. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned the, the monthly one-on-one because that's, that's actually one of the things that we use in our framework to create this dream life and build this highly effective team is having those one-on-ones, even if it's just 15 minutes, like just a quick sit down, let's see where we are. Let's hear from you. And quite honestly, for me, what I've always liked about one-on-ones with my team members is it gives them a space to, you know, to kind of be open and honest you know, say, Hey, I'm really struggling in this area because, you know, I have this volunteer that's not really working out or I can't figure out this problem. Like I'm able to be a resource for my team members to kind of problem solve and fix things rather than this authoritarian. That's like, well, you're not doing this and you're not doing that. Like it gives them the space to come to me and that they know, like they know, and it also helps. They're not knocking on your door all the time. Hey, I need help with this. I need help with this because they know this monthly meeting is coming up, but then also it creates this nice back and forth where you're not in a staff meeting with the other staff members. It's just you and them and they're able to talk to you. You're able to talk to them. You're able to problem solve together. And quite honestly, over time, it creates a stronger relationship. If it's, if it's done right, a stronger relationship between you and them, which then just strengthens the team as a whole. And so, um, so yeah, so I like that you brought that up. I think that's. Yeah. And, and I think that also it allows, it de-stresses with your team meetings in general Mm -hmm. um, because you know that these big heavy conversations that might happen in a monthly or a check-in are not going to be happening all the time on the fly. Um, It's not a monthly call on the carpet. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's a cooperative, Hey, here's, tell me where you're knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Tell me where I can help a little bit. And also, hey, I've noticed this. Can you give me some kind of clarification on like you said like three months ago you're going to do this big outreach event and I haven't heard anything. Right. Oh, yeah, we were. Gonna, and then that gives you the opportunity. We were going to do that, but then the building got blown up. <laughs> and so we're not going to do it anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like it gives you the right. opportunity. Oh, OK. I didn't know that. Thank you for keeping me in the loop. Like, you know what right. I mean? Versus like then six months from now when you're in a meeting and they're like, well, you said you were going to do that thing. And then once again, it comes off as defensive. Yeah. Well, I was, but then the building was got, got yeah. blown up and it's like, oh, well, well and then as, as, a, as a leader, then you're just like, well, you know, you're just dealing with the defensive staff member and that's not a great situation. Exactly. And you've created that situation. 
Exactly. And so now it's more of like we're having those regular check-ins. So now, like I said, it's not coming from that defensive position of I'm having to justify and explain, but it's more of a, hey, like this is a steady, consistent check-in and it helps kind of fix those sort of things. So then it's not like, oh, well, I, we only talk one-on-one -on -one once every eight months and it's normally right. when one of us has done something wrong. <laughs> and so now anytime that we're talking, there's that automatic tension that fills the room yeah. because this can't be a good thing. Versus when you're having those monthly ones, you're like, okay, I feel better equipped. I feel like I kind of even going back. I feel I know what my goals are. I know what my parameters are. I know yeah. kind of next yeah. month when I come in, like the night before, I always look over my notes and I kind of know, okay, did, how am I doing with this goal? How did I accomplish this? If I didn't, like, do I have some sort of reasoning behind it? Or we use red, yellow, green. Like red is I haven't started it. I haven't thought about it. It's not even been on my plate yet. Yellow is maybe I've started brainstorming a little bit. I've had a few conversations. It's in like the development mode and green is I've done it. It's complete. We're good to go. Right. And so like knowing going into those conversations, what's going to be asked of me, kind of where my parameters are, all that's been really good. Yeah. Well, and I think it also allows you as the team lead, it allows you to pastor your team rather than hold them accountable all the time. Mm -hmm. It allows you to, you know, you know, randomly, you know, knock on their office door and just say, Hey, how are you doing? Not how are you doing on this event? Where are we at with this? Not that, but knock on the door and say, Hey, how are you doing? How's your family doing? How's, well, how was your vacation you just took or whatever the case is like you can pastor your team more often because you're, you know, mm -hmm. that you have these checkpoints coming and you can deal with the business stuff then. And I think that's mm -hmm. one of the things we hear staff members talk about. And we even talked about in our episode with Frank a little bit. Like the thing that staff pastors want all the time is they want their, their leader, their pastor to pastor them, to love on them, to take care of them, to be interested in what they're do, you know, doing in their own lives beyond just how they're performing and what their productivity is and those types of things. And so again, mm -hmm. like building this highly effective team and managing this tension between freedom and accountability, pastoring them, man, that's such a huge piece because you're already allowing them to have the freedom, but it helps when you're pastoring them to hold them accountable in a healthy way and not in a authoritative dictator way. And they're, they're afraid of your accountability because yeah. they're not sure what that conversation is going to look like and what's going to happen on the back end because you've pastored them well along the way. And so mm -hmm. I just think that, you know, it kind of saying it relieves some of that underlying unspoken tension that kind of exists on staff and teams that doesn't have to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that if we, especially in the age of like being more aware of mental health and depression and anxiety, like all that yeah. sort of stuff on your staff, like you want, and I think every leader, every good leader should want when you go to your staff member and you knock on their door, the first thought should be, oh, hey, not, oh, crap. <laughs> like, know what I mean? Like there right. should be like, that's not the response you I think want. That, exactly. Like, I think that that should be the goal. And I think that's what every good leader would want that. It's not like, Oh no, so-and-so is coming right. quick act busy, right. but more of a, Oh, this person is here because they like, even if it is a quick little check-in, it's not because they want to micromanage. It's not because they want to tell you that you're doing it wrong. It's not because of all that, but right. like they want to see if there's a way that they can help, that they can empower you, that they can make your job easier and all that sort of stuff. And that culture is built because you know, that there are built in times where it might be a little bit more back and forth. There might be a little bit more built intention, but you know that that's coming. You can prepare for it. It's not going to blindside you 
So then when someone just randomly shows up, knocks on your door, they can ask about football. They can ask about your family. They can Mm -hmm. ask about, hey, yeah, maybe how is that project doing? Oh, that's great. Cool. And get more details maybe a week down the line when you do have those check-ins and all that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. Great. Okay. So let's just recap those four steps. Keys to offering freedom and accountability, how to manage that tension. Number one, establishing clear goals. Number two, providing protective boundaries. The optimal word is protective boundaries. Number three, build an agile structure. And then number four, schedule those checkpoints or those check-ins with your team members. And so you do those four things and you manage that tension well, uh, you're going to be on your way to having a productive culture and a highly effective team, which again is the key to living your dream life in ministry. The key to having more time, creating margin in your days, margin in your weeks, so you can spend time with family and friends and all the things you want to do. It comes down to having that highly effective team that's going to help you create that margin. And so, um, so very important. Thank you so much, Matt, again, for being here and for offering yeah, your for insight me. and your wisdom and all of your years of experience and just being wonderful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> wonderful. Brought it back. <laughs> And if you are interested in going further, if you're interested in looking at how you can start living your own dream life, how you can start building your dream life, I want to invite you uh, to go to brandonpartycooper.com slash more time, more money. And what you're going to find there is you're going to find a free guide that's going to walk you step by step, how you can go from being an overwhelmed, exhausted, uh, you know, just stressed out pastor to pastoring a growing ministry, but also having more time, having more money, having more freedom, having uh, more relaxation, having just this sense of you're living your best life possible, the life that God has created for you. Uh, That's the goal here. That's what we're trying to do. That's what our conversation is about today. And I want to invite you go to brandonpartycooper.com slash more time, more money to get your step-by-step guide on how you can start building that dream life today, how you can start living it and find, discover that life that God has created for you. All right. Hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you in the next episode. 